Welcome back to the Scarlet Fever, the Daily Nebraskans' own sports podcast. On this episode, we're going to be recapping Nebraska football's loss to Purdue, kind of previewing their outlook going forward and talking about the Illinois game coming up in a couple weeks and talking about some other Nebraska sports. It's been a big week. Gavin, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Just got back from a weekend in Vegas. Um, looking forward to not doing that again for a few years, um, <laughs> spending half my money without even gambling that much. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to be back in the lab and uh, talking about a pretty eventful, um, I guess, month to come for yeah. Husker Sports. It's going to be a big month. Um, we've got the winter sports kind of starting to creep up on us here. Um, some of the fall sports kind of finishing their seasons and obviously football's having um, a good time uh, kind of racking together some of these important games. Um, I know you wanted to talk about Women's basketball started off. Um, they're ranked for the first time in quite a while. First time since 2014 that they've been ranked preseason. Um, what are you looking forward to this season for women's basketball? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest storyline is how they um, adapt without Sam Hybe. Um, mm-hmm. She's kind of been their, um, I guess, the heart of the team the last two or three years and um, obviously out for the season. Um, and it seems that the Associated Press voters still have a lot of confidence in Nebraska because they are ranked 22nd. Um, so as you said, first time preseason since 2014. Um, and the first time um, our writer, Ben Drost, who wrote the uh, little breaking news on that, um, I think found that it was the first time Nebraska women have been ranked at all since 2015, mm. um, which is which is pretty wild because they've had some decent years since then. Um, but yeah, that's... Interesting. Um, it's kind of. I mean, I'm getting excited. Kind of entering what's in my eyes the best time of the year. Is football's really ramping up and basketball's yeah. about to start. Um, I know we got some exhibition games this weekend for basketball. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I'm excited too. Um, you know, not too. Um, the prospects for men's basketball don't look too great, um, but hopefully some improvement over last year. But this women's team is really exciting. Got to watch them a couple times in person last year, and, man, that was fun. Um, I really like the now sophomore duo of Markowski and Widener. Um, I think those two are really going to step up, even though they already played incredibly well last year. I think another year in the system, um, another year to really settle in. They're not freshmen anymore. They're not the new kids on the block. They're established Nebraska Cornhuskers. So it's going to be really exciting. Obviously, like you said, high B being gone, but I think there's enough pieces on this team to step up um, and kind of fill her place. Um, and then we're going to kind of move into football here, but we're going to talk about eventually talk about Illinois um, this week because we have a pretty big week next week for other Nebraska sports. You want to tell us a little bit about those, Gavin? Yeah, so um, we decided we'd take care of the most of the Illinois preview this week. A um, couple of reasons. First being it's a bye week for both teams, so we can pretty much gauge the matchup with all the information we have um like 10 days early um but also because next week is a very busy week um Mm -hmm. even more so for husker sports um so we're gonna have uh probably a guest on for that and then cover even more then um we'll cover definitely some volleyball they've got a big game tonight um that we'll know the outcome of when this is published against purdue massive game purdue is an incredible team and hopefully nebraska will be able to yeah pull that off um and then the women's soccer team qualified for the big 10 tournament uh for the first time in a few years so we'll hit on that more next week once the regular season wrapped up um and then i'm sure probably have some more probably a little more basketball talk um so yeah that's kind of what i guess we found most interesting um i think the biggest storyline around 
Husker Athletics is probably the um, the fact that Trev Alberts had to release the um, I guess contract metrics yeah. for Scott Frost, but that's kind of a my, more um, minutia aspect of it. And um, I don't did you did you take anything away from that? I mean, I think that's kind of what we all like just expected. I I, knew, I didn't know that it was written down in writing, but mm-hmm. I mean, a bowl game was kind of the minimum for Nebraska sports fans. And so I was assuming that it was at least the minimum for the athletic director. Um, yeah, I, I don't think if Frost would have, I don't even know that he would have even made it six games, um, even if they were winning. But yeah, I, I think that was not a huge story. Obviously interesting that it's in writing and, and yeah. that they had to release it. But other than that, you know, I think that's what most of us expected. Yeah, it kind of stuck up on us and it was uh... – I was surprised by like how big of a story it was with mm-hmm. like ESPN and the Athletic covering it. Um, Anything Scott Frost seems to be a big story nationally. Which yeah, that's definitely true. Might be good um, to get uh, out of the out of the limelight a little bit yeah. for Nebraska sports here. Yeah, I didn't I didn't take too much of it, make too much of it. Um, there's a lot more interesting things going on nationally in mm-hmm. Nebraska sports, but yeah, I guess if anything, if I had any takeaways, um, six almost seemed kind of low. Yeah, but um, yeah, so we'll we'll move on and talk the present state of Nebraska football now. Yeah. So Purdue, um, that was a, definitely an interesting game, a fun one to watch, no doubt. Um, you were gone. You didn't get to write a story on it this weekend, but um, it, was a, it was a fun game to watch and a, and a fun game to write about. Um, the biggest takeaway for me, and we can kind of just move into this, was the ability of this team to you know, not get scared by deficits. Um, and we've kind of seen that so far a little bit this year in some of the games against Rutgers, like we saw, you know, two weeks ago, where they're down and, and whatever Mickey Joseph has put into this team, they're not scared of coming back from behind. Um, I think it was three times they were down uh, by two scores. Um, uh, four times they were down by two possessions. Um, so to come back and only lose by six points, you know, I'm sure they would have loved to win that game, but against Purdue where they were 14 point underdogs, I, th- I thought it was really impressive, um, you know, fight back from them. Um, they could have given up once they went down in the first quarter and that could have easily gotten to, you know, a huge blowout for Purdue. That offense was just clicking on all cylinders. Um, but it was, a, it, it was a good to see that Nebraska didn't really give up and, and kept, kept in the fight there, even though it's a little cliche. Yeah. Yeah. Another, I mean, another cliche that Nebraska has like really fed into um, in the last few games under Mickey Joseph is, being a second half team, yeah, um, which we'll see if that holds true. But um, it's kind of it's kind of something like fans like to have in their back pocket of like, oh, it's a we're a second half team, <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see if Nebraska holds up to that. I think maybe the coaches would rather that not be the case, um, yeah, rather than wake up earlier um, in the game. And yeah, but um, were you? I mean, it was it kind of played out similar to similarly to what we predicted, um, being a one score game, um, being relatively high scoring. Were you surprised by how it played out in any sense? I was a little bit surprised how high scoring it was, but I was not surprised by the n- nature that it that it was. I was expecting yeah. a, kind of a back and forth game, both electric offenses, um, not necessarily questionable on Purdue's end for defense, but. Um, definitely we knew Nebraska's defense was questionable against O'Connell. Um, so yeah, I wasn't expecting any sort of low scoring matter. I think we both said kind of a big 10 esque high scoring battle, and this was just a high scoring battle, you know, for any conference. Um, so it was more, more points than I expected, but the nature of the game where, you know, it was back and forth, Purdue kind of just ended up being too much for Nebraska to take over. That's pretty much what I expected. Yeah. 
so you wrote the takeaways piece. Um, so like going through, obviously you hit on um, kind of, I mean, you hit on what we already talked about is the, how they've been able to fight back against deficits. Um, and then I guess the other biggest thing you talked about was Trey Palmer we should go into. Yeah, I mean, I think any anyone who watched that game is going to take that away that Wow. I mean, we knew he was good, but after this game, I mean, he is a, a legitimate national um, elite weapon. Um, I, they were, I'm not sure, but on the broadcast, they were talking a little bit of Bolitnikov. I thought, yeah, I mean, it has I mean, to be at least considered. Absolutely. He leads the nation right now in passing yards and, and receiving yards. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was incredible to watch because it was almost like how they knew the ball was going to him. I mean, they had to know, um, especially in that second half, that the ball was going right to Palmer and even knowing that, he was just able to cut straight through um, that Purdue secondary. I joked about that they were going to be having nightmares. But if I'm a Purdue, if, I mean, I'm, if I'm the Purdue secondary coach there, man, I'm 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 ripping into my guys this week because he made them look like he was just you know practicing against them. Um, they they weren't. It was like they weren't covering him at all. Yeah, I mean, he he ends up with the Nebraska um, single game receiving yards record. Um, led the team in rushing off one carry. Um, by almost twice as many yards <laughs> as anyone else, um, had had nearly half the team's rush yards. Um, what else? He he almost set the program all-purpose yards single-game record. Um, and I think Casey Thompson acknowledged post-game. We talked about that. They he thought they he would have gotten it if they got the ball back at the end of the game. There, I think he needed like 50 more yards to do it, which sounds like a lot, but really wasn't. <laughs> but it may have been one play. Of course, the game. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Pretty pretty crazy game for Trey Palmer, and I find it interesting because we were planning on doing a segment last week that we didn't get to, um, where it being six games in at that point, we we're gonna look at how Nebraska's got some pretty, got some got some guys with pretty gaudy stats, mm-hmm. um, hasn't directly translated to wins, but um, so we we're gonna look at the what they were currently on pace for, <clears throat> sorry for season yards and pick an over under. Um, and Trey at that point would have been like 1,100 mm-hmm. um, or and something like that. And now I'm sure it's gone over that. Yeah, so I, I'd, be, I'd be curious to see what is now. I think he's on pace for like 1,300 or something yeah. now, but um, probably, probably expect something closer to that for him if he can hit like 80 yards a game. But, yeah, pretty crazy performance for him. Um, definitely definitely even like getting a recruit, a transfer of his pedigree, not what we expected. Yeah, I mean, his to do what he's been able to do for a team that could very well not make a bowl, bowl game would be sensational. I mean, this is a generational type season that we're seeing. And I mean, I, I would love to, to get his thoughts on how he feels now. Um, I know he was, you know, coveted, but if he had this kind of type of season, you know, last year, the, the options for him to transfer would have been um, – there would have been a lot more options for him to transfer. And I, I wonder how he feels now being on a team. Yes, it's a, it's a fun team. He's having a, a great year, and his NFL stock is going way up. But um, if he was on a team with a defense, he might have um, contributed to a, you know, a conference championship maybe on another team. Um, but obviously his guy's Mickey, and Mickey came here, and I guess hopefully they believe in the program. Um, I, want, I want to get your thoughts on Casey Thompson because – an incredible game stats-wise for passing yards for him, but there were those couple mistakes where, you know, he doesn't make those mistakes, and Nebraska most likely wins that game. Do you feel like those mistakes just come with the type of player that he is, where he's just throwing the ball over the field, or is there a chance that his mistakes are just really holding him back here? 
Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say at this point he's, like, helping the team more than he's hurting them. Um, and I would go as far – I don't know that this is, like, a super hot take, but I think he's been better for Nebraska than Adrian Martinez yeah, was last absolutely. year. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting because he's been, like, similarly, like, turnover plague to what Martinez was um, and doesn't have the running dimension either. I mean, we saw it, we've seen a bit of him with his legs. But, um, I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a pretty talented passing quarterback. Um as evidenced by 350 plus yards and I think Nebraska I don't know if like that's what you would have taken going into the game um if you could have like flipped a coin and gotten that performance or just random from him um but overall I'd say it was like an above average performance those two picks were pretty bad and you kind of hit on that in your takeaways um and it definitely did hurt the team but I think he like did more good for them and um, wasn't his best like completion percentage game, but he he hit some throws and Trey yeah. helped him in that. But it wasn't just Trey; like he had some throws to Travis Vokalek and Marcus Washington, um, and he. I, I mean, overall, he had a solid game. Yeah, I mean, when Trey's beating the defenders by that much, yes, the throws are easy, but you still got to put it on him. Yeah, um, and he's Trey's down the field so quick; he's got that speed um, where you can't underthrow him. Otherwise, the the, the defensive back might be able to make a play on it. So there were a lot of great throws from him. Um, there were three that I didn't like. Obviously, the two interceptions. I thought um, the first interception was – it looked really egregious, but I can see how that um, would happen. Second one was a little bit caused by pressure. But the worst one for me was the one where he missed, um, I believe, it was Brown in the end zone. Um, yeah. And that really would have swung the tide because that would have put – I believe that would have either tied the game or put Nebraska up, um, and they wouldn't have been playing from behind. I think that was the problem. Purdue always had the lead in this game, and they never had to feel like they had to push the ball downfield. Just kind of took their time. O'Connell just found his guys, dumped the ball in there like he like he can. Um, and when there's no there's no pressure, there's no anticipation from Purdue's offense. Nebraska wasn't able to the defense wasn't able to do anything. So I think if Martinez would have been able to make those throws and not put Nebraska's defense behind the eight ball, the Thompson. What did I say? Did I say Martinez? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, there you go. Similar um, performance. But. Um, yeah. Martinez, I think Martinez actually would throw, um, would have, the, his turnovers came later in the game, which was worse. So maybe even though their their turnovers are similar, he wouldn't have brought similar back, enough where yeah. I call him the same person. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, but I, I like Thompson's performance. I thought he played well, um, but it was just like, like I said, those three throws that really cost Nebraska the game. Not his fault though. Doesn't have a great, well, has a bad offensive line, bad defense. So you can't you can't blame the quarterback on everything. Yeah, kind of wild because Casey came in as um, he had led the Big Twelve in passing touchdowns last year. I don't think he was first, but he was pretty high up in um, touchdown interception ratio. So he was twenty four to nine, um, which nine is a pretty solid number throughout the mm-hmm. season. And now he's at what is he like four? I've been able to check. He's eleven to eight now, um, which isn't isn't the same as twenty four to no. nine. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty. That is pretty. Martinez-esque. I'm surprised he only has eleven touchdowns. I yeah, he's ran low. for he's ran for about that many. Okay, yeah, that's or true. about a half as many. He's yeah. run for five, so that's part of it. But okay, yeah, I guess that would make sense. Um, certainly, certainly bears resemblance to Adrian's fourteen to ten ratio from last season. Um, and Adrian threw for a lot of yards last year, uh, twenty hundred as well. So yeah. It's definitely interesting to compare. I don't know that it's that important now because the the team is very different. But I don't think 
it's hard to say Nebraska wins less games, but I think Nebraska's even, I mean, I don't think if Martinez had this defense this year, it would have been a much uglier team. I think, um, probably you, you give, you give Thompson and Palmer last year's defense. I think we can both agree that this team wins a lot of games. Um, so Martinez kind of benefited from that. Anyway, the, the comparisons aside, um, what else, like, were you more concerned with how the defense played, or do you think the loss of Reimer and the eventual loss of Henrik kind of hurt them? I mean, I I definitely thought the defense would be better, um, especially coming off those two games. Um, this is pretty much a reversion to the beginning of the season for them. And I think I expected something in between uh, where the defense looked, I guess, okay. Because um, they looked borderline good the two games before, mm-hmm. and they looked terrible um, the, what, four games before that. Um, so yeah, this was, this was a little worse than I expected. And it was kind of funny cause we were talking about how it, like, there was no one play. I mean, looking through where Purdue gouged them, their biggest play was 32 yards. Yeah. Um, it's it kind of bend don't break, but they bent, bent quite a bit. Yeah. It ended up being, um, death by a million paper cuts and Purdue just got first down after first down. And, um, there were some times where it was like, there were, there were like a couple isolated drives. The defense like looked okay. Um, like forcing, they forced um, one punt and had that <laughs> interception in the first drive. But, uh, yeah, not not great. I don't think uh, – we'll hit on this later. I don't think Illinois is going to route Nebraska um, scoring-wise, but um, wasn't wasn't a great look heading into a difficult stress and with Michigan looming in three weeks. Yeah, especially in the run game where Maccabee yeah. just – Kind of, I mean, he looked like a stud, and that's a former walk-on guy who who has talent. And, and, I mean, you can't deny that. But for him to just look like a total, you know, he just bowled over Nebraska's defense with pretty much ease. Granted, they're missing two linebackers, so that's it's hard to compare there. I was disappointed with the lack of pressure. Um, I felt like yeah. they were getting pressure, but they weren't getting home. And like we that's... said, O'Connell, if you let him sit in that pocket, there is no chance you're going to beat him because he had time to just pick apart the defense and he he is incredible I mean I don't know how his skill set really um I mean I, I think he's NFL quarterback I don't know how his skill set's really gonna um relate to the NFL but man if you give that man time and he doesn't have to roll out he can't roll out if he doesn't have to roll out he is going to pick you apart and that was I mean he put on a show and it was kind of I think he won Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week was that I'm pretty I sure I saw so. that um which was funny given that Palmer had a generational game, but yeah. O'Connell still won it in the same matchup. So um, he just put on he just he put on a show, and I think the rushing offense, the rush defense in the second half was a little better. Um, but like I said, my takeaways didn't they didn't need to run the ball in the second half because O'Connell wouldn't wasn't missing anything. Yeah, that was definitely the thing. Is I think it wasn't a surprise that O'Connell put up 400 plus yards and Charlie Jones had 130 receiving yards. Um, but nobody really expected Devin Ma could be a rush yeah. for 180 yards. On uh, I mean, uh, it's, it shouldn't be a shock because Nebraska's rush defense is the lesser of the two units, but definitely thought, I don't know, I kind of expected them to be held under 100 rush yards yeah. and to be relying on the pass game. Um, but, yeah. Um, did you come away from this game thinking Nebraska was an improved team? Like, did you feel better about Nebraska – after this game than going into it? Honestly, I think so. Maybe I think very similar. Like I said, I, this was kind of the game I expected. We both yeah. thought they were going to lose. They lost by less than I predicted. So I guess by saying that, I kind of have to say that I am. 
Um, definitely more impressed than I was a month ago. Um, yeah. This this team is no doubt, I think, no doubt better than they were after the Georgia Southern loss. Because um, it, it was this was a similar game to Georgia Southern, Purdue versus Nebraska, Georgia Southern versus Nebraska. Very high scoring, very little defense. Um, but one of them happens to be a Sun Belt team, and one of them happens to be a Big Ten West contender. So, yes, I am more impressed. Um, I don't know how good they're going to have to be going forward because the defense is, again, a concern, and there are some pretty good offenses coming up here. But there are some, like Wisconsin and Iowa, I feel way better about Nebraska's chances to beat those teams after this weekend. And I even feel better about them beating Minnesota after this weekend. Um, obviously, Minnesota and Wisconsin lost. Um, we, we're going get to get into that a little bit later. But I feel better about Nebraska. Not necessarily that they're a better team. I feel better about them winning games down the stretch against some of these opponents that you could say are kind of toss-up matches. Um, very worried about the run defense, though, especially with Michigan coming into town. We saw what Michigan did this week. Or I guess Nebraska's going to Michigan this time. But um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you feel about the team going forward? Yeah, I think we're pretty much in lockstep there. Um, I think I probably feel like Nebraska is like 3% better than I did before the game. Um, like you said, we both expected a pretty close game. So um, that it played out pretty much like I expected, maybe a tiny bit closer and a tiny bit higher scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Nebraska definitely has some winnable games ahead and a path, um, maybe like slightly unlikely path, but definitely a path to a bowl game. Yeah, I, it's interesting you compare – you have to kind of compare it to – the preseason expectations and the expectations after the Georgia Southern loss, because those are very different. But even preseason, we thought yeah. Purdue was going to beat Nebraska. So you can't say, oh, they lost to Purdue. I, preseason, you told me we lose to by six to Purdue. I'd probably feel pretty good about our chances to make a bowl game. Especially if you like said, like I think Purdue's like right about what we expected is like mm-hmm. fringe top twenty-five team. They're what five and two right now. Um, so yeah, like I think I had this as like our as the second hardest. Um, game at Nebraska schedule before yeah. the season, like above Oklahoma, which I think it. I think is it a is. Harder game, I think I, I definitely I would take Purdue over Oklahoma a million times right now, yeah. which is funny looking at the way they play those two teams. Um, but to compare the effort against Purdue to Oklahoma, definitely an improved because um, Purdue will be a top twenty-five team in my opinion pretty soon here, and Oklahoma will not. So um, there are two ranked teams coming up for. Nebraska, um, I Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, I thought was going to be better than Nebraska coming into the season, and I thought Purdue was going to be a ranked team coming into this matchup preseason. So, to say that Nebraska put up, you know, an, a crazy offensive performance against Purdue and barely lost, I, I think you'd take that preseason. Definitely, yeah, um, yeah. Kind of, kind of, because we're talking about the hierarchy of the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to shift into talking about? Um, the power, your power yeah, rankings for sure. You got any uh, got any issues with it off the bat? No, um, I pretty much agreed with it. Um, this is it's an I think this is a good time to look back at it because we're about about halfway through the Big Ten schedule now, a mm-hmm. um, little past the midway point in the season. So it's kind of interesting to see like where these teams are and like try to reflect back on where they yeah. were. I guess the last time we did a segment on this, or like more so even before the season. Um, so these will be out tomorrow, or these will be out the day this podcast comes out. Um, you've got obviously Ohio State, Michigan, one two. Um, did you consider bumping Michigan up to the number one spot at all? No, um, 
I still think Ohio, I still think Ohio State's the best team in the country. Um, but it was it was much closer than it was last week. Last week, I actually can I thought you know if there was a team that could jump Michigan, they would have. Um, I didn't love their first half performance against Indiana, but man, they destroyed Penn State, and that was a really impressive victory. Not enough to pass Ohio State though. I think Ohio State still has that. I'm I'm, I'm really hoping for an und- I mean that would be incredible an undefeated matchup in the game, um, which I don't know if. The divisions in the Big Ten. If that Yak game's undefeated, one of those teams isn't going to the Big Ten championship, which will be very interesting. Um, but no, I think Ohio State's still the superior team. Yeah, I mean, this is we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but like, I just don't see a way that Ohio State loses to Michigan two years in a row. Yeah, um, especially in in the horseshoe. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think you have it right right now, especially because I have Ohio State number one nationally. Um, but definitely, definitely seemed like the gap closed. I think, mm-hmm. as you outlined, um, after Michigan stomped Penn State, um, and you kind of—I guess the biggest part is like the middle. The biggest change, as it's kind of been all season, came in the middle of the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, you knocked Purdue down a little bit. Um, tell us who your new um, third place team is. Yeah, so I have Illinois. Um, I had them. I had Illinois behind Purdue and Maryland last week, and Penn State, obviously. Um, so I had I had Illinois at six. Now looking back, I think that's pretty low. Um, I think they definitely should have been ahead of Maryland, maybe ahead of Purdue before that game. Um, I just hadn't seen enough. But that I was really really impressed with Illinois' victory over Minnesota. Uh, as I've said, I've been very high on Minnesota all season, and now I'm not because of what Illinois. Even though the the, the score was kind of close. Illinois just really took him to the woodshed. It wasn't particularly close. Um, So I was really impressed with that victory. Kind of set – Illinois set themselves – yeah, we're a much better team than Minnesota. Minnesota is kind of that second tier of um, Big Ten teams where before I thought Minnesota was up there in the top tier. Um, Only reason I dropped Purdue is because Illinois jumped them. Um, I was more impressed with Illinois' victory over Minnesota than I was with Purdue's victory over Nebraska. We're talking good about Nebraska – like their effort against Purdue, that means Purdue kind of underperformed to a level, um, especially defensively. So that's the only reason I dropped Purdue. I kept Penn State above Purdue. I, I want to know what you think about this. They have the head-to-head victory and they have a better record, yeah. but um, I think the trajectory of both teams is kind of going in the opposite direction. I could see Penn State kind of falling off a cliff here, and I could see Purdue continuing to kind of climb. Uh, what do you think about that ranking there? Yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty big head-to-head results guy. Um, and even though that was like, I guess that was week 0.5 because that was like a yeah. Thursday game. Seems forever um, ago. That, that game was like such a weird atmosphere for and like kind of an ugly game for yeah. like being between two good teams. Um, but yeah, I think you still got to default to Penn State um, even for as bad as they looked. Um, yeah, and then you got uh, – I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but then you got, <laughs> uh, you got Maryland next. Um, that's kind of a – that's kind of a coin flip between them and Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota still got a chance to win the West, um, outside chance for sure, having lost to Illinois and Purdue. Um, for, I, for some reason, I'm like still. I think the biggest difference here is I would have put Minnesota above Maryland. Okay. I'm not sure that that's the right choice on my part, um, but I'm still relatively high in Minnesota. Um, definitely viewed them as like the favorite in the West, as many did a couple of weeks ago. And kind of still view them in a tier with Illinois and Purdue. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's unfair, but 
yeah, it's kind of that's kind of my biggest takeaway. Yeah, I think it's hard to know. Last year, Minnesota had like a pretty good team, and then they lost some games like midway, early through the season around homecoming, like they did last year. Yeah, and kind of looking back, oh, ah, they shouldn't have lost those games, but they did. They've lost to Purdue and Illinois now, so their chances of winning the Big Ten West are. I would say pretty slim to none. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think both of those teams are going to lose two more. They both of those teams would have to lose two more Big Ten games for Illinois, for Minnesota to jump them. Um, so that's why Minnesota is here below them. Maryland, I just I give them credit for winning in a a tough game. They actually played I not necessarily better, but after um, Tungvaluwa went out. They were down when Tungvalu went out, and then they rallied for the win, which I thought was interesting. I thought I thought it maybe would yeah. have gone the other way. Um, not re- you don't really want to be in that close kind of matchup with Indiana, uh, but Indiana's shown to be a little scrappy. They had a, a good half against Michigan, so I didn't drop Maryland uh, too much for a close win over Indiana, and then Minnesota lost two straight, and I think they're gonna. It's gonna be tough to beat Penn State in a whiteout game, especially if. I guess, you know, Tanner Morgan's not an incredible quarterback. Tanner Morgan's hurt. We'll see if he's 100%. He's not ruled out for that game yet. Um, but I think a night game in Penn State is a tough game to play. So it could be three straight losses for Minnesota. Not that I'm looking forward to that, but that's why I have Minnesota below Maryland. But I, I can definitely see the how you could flip those two. Yeah. So in the Big Ten West, would you group Minnesota closer to – that Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin tier than you would that Illinois, Purdue tier. Yeah, I think so. I don't know that I would. I don't. We. I mean, the rankings kind of reflect this. I don't know if I'd put Wisconsin in that tier anymore. Wow. Um, but yes, I definitely put Minnesota closer to to those two. It, they were both kind of ugly games against Illinois and Purdue, so you, you could see a path where they fix some things and they win those games, but. The, the games were a lot less close than the score would, would show. Um, they, I, they just haven't impressed me lately and kind of looked a little stale. Um, I know the injuries have really hurt. The, the injury problem is another thing. Like I expect them to get even more injured going down the stretch. So I definitely would put them in the lower tier with those other teams that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, so the biggest, I guess, probably even more so than Illinois number three, which um, I think is the right pick. Um you have probably the biggest the biggest head turner is Wisconsin, second to last. <laughs> um, do you want to walk us through your reasoning on that? Yeah, so it's very close. I think you have to put Michigan State above them, um, and I had Michigan State really low last week. Um, and then it's kind of up to Indiana, Rutgers, Wisconsin, and that kind of bottom tier before Northwestern at the bottom. reason I put Wisconsin below them, they have not beat – a power five team yet except for northwestern yeah it's crazy um, stat. which ne- you never want to be mid-october end of october and that's the only power five win that you have if you can even classify it as a power five win northwestern certainly hasn't even beat power five teams well, well I, was, I was gonna say sorry to cut in like i think even that undersells it when you look at wisconsin's thing because it's not like they have like wins over like solid group of five teams they beat Illinois State, who's an FCS team. Yes. And New Mexico State, who's, I think I can say pretty <laughs> confident, is like one yeah. of the three to five worst uh, FBS teams. Yeah, I wanted to say FBS, but New Mexico State, you can't really fit. New Mexico State is an FBS team, but like you said, very close to the bottom there. Yeah. Um, so not a very, very weak resume for Wisconsin, to say the least. 
Um, and then also, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> Rutgers and Indiana have had close games lately. Uh, Wisconsin lost to Michigan State, who I think has, is a really bad team, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's definitely an argument to be made that you put those other teams above Wisconsin, but I don't think it really matters in the long term. Um, I believe – I don't know if Wisconsin will play Michigan this year. So they might Maybe have not. some more winnable games ahead of them. Um, so it's certainly a chance to move up. I still think they could easily be a bowl team. Um, but I think all of these teams that have three wins right now could be bowl teams, but only a few of them will be bowl teams. So that's why I have Wisconsin there. Um, they also really – Michigan. they let Michigan State's offense move the ball on them. Um, and they couldn't move the ball against Michigan State, who has a really bad defense and actually made Michigan State's defense look pretty good. Um, it did take two overtimes, so that was just an ugly game, but exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of one of those games, like, I wish I got, like, a better chance to get eyes on because that's, like, two, like, I wouldn't say, like, blue bloods, but, like, pretty well-established, like, college football yeah. programs. You got, like, the old red versus green, old historic Big Ten team matchup, um, and it was a close game, but I believe that's won. a – is that a Big Ten championship rematch from a couple of years ago? I feel like we've seen that matchup. It Not might be in the last sure. 10, 15 years. Um, but, yeah, definitely those teams have a lot of pedigree, not a lot of results this year. So. Yeah, so last thing I want to hit on before we move off this is, like, now that we've gone down the rabbit hole of Wisconsin, who's kind of almost put itself in, like, a similar situation to Nebraska, which no one would have expected yeah. two months ago, fired their coach. Um, they have – I mean, they they have identical records now, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, worst record in Big Ten play. So looking at, Minis- or looking at Wisconsin's schedule – uh, they have about as hard as it could be without playing a ranked team, which which sounds weird. But so I think we touched on the pod last last week where like both of us, I think, said we could still see Wisconsin going like eight and four, despite them being three and three and one and two in the Big Ten then. Um, and it doesn't really like like you said, I think they could still definitely make a bowl game, but it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't yeah. look like it's going to be much better in six wins. Purdue, I think, is a loss. Maryland is a pretty good team. I think that could be a loss. Iowa, we still don't really know. We haven't really seen them against, like, the mediocre Big Ten teams. Nebraska, I think that'll be a close game. And then Minnesota's a rivalry game. So I think I think they're winning two of those five. Yeah. They don't have Rutgers or Indiana or they already played Northwestern. So, yeah, that's a tough to – think, to think Wisconsin wouldn't make a bowl game preseason would be crazy I had them after week two I was really close to putting them up there with like Michigan and that kind of tier but wow the the fall has been incredible yeah I think they're going five and seven I think they're losing to Purdue for sure I think they're winning one of the two home games against Maryland and Minnesota I think they're winning one of the two games at Iowa and at Nebraska do you like Nebraska's chance to make a bowl game or Wisconsin's chance to make a bowl game since they both have the same record right now I'm going to go Wisconsin still. Okay. I think they have a slightly easier schedule um, given Nebraska it's, travels to. Yeah, pretty much the same teams except Michigan instead of Maryland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty much. Um, and then each other, obviously. Um, I guess that that uh, game in Memorial um, one month from today between Nebraska and Wisconsin. Could be who is going to make a bowl game and not, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably determine it. That's a game Nebraska almost won against a better Wisconsin team last year in Madison um and the jury's still out on whether this Nebraska team is better than last year's um but yeah that'll be a big one and 
it's it's just kind of wild to me that like these more historic programs yeah. like Nebraska, Wisconsin, Iowa find themselves like in the middle or bottom of the yeah. Big Ten West. Purdue and Illinois are kind of capitalizing on a weak year in the in the division, which credit to them. Um, anything else you want to touch on before we get into a little bit of a Illinois preview? No, yeah, let's talk about probably the best team in the Big Ten West now. Yeah. Um, I don't. I really don't know how to feel yet. Um, I think Illinois is a much better team, but they don't have the. I don't know. I think the rushing, the rush attack is just gonna. If if Nebraska puts up the same kind of effort as they did against Purdue in the run game, Illinois is gonna run for 300, 400 yards. I mean that they have a really good rush defense or rush offense. Yeah, that's probably gonna be like the biggest disparity by far is. Nebraska's probably going to throw for more yards than Illinois, um, but Illinois is probably going to run for, like, that'd be an interesting line. Like, how many how many more yards Illinois is going to run for? <laughs> Might be, like, 150. Um, yeah. Because they, they're, like, so they're the most run-heavy team Nebraska has played up to this point. Illinois will be. Um, and then, but I think a couple of Nebraska's upcoming opponents, um, I believe Minnesota and Michigan, are more um, – run heavy than Illinois even. Okay. So it's it's going to set up interesting given how, as you said, Nebraska just got gouged against Purdue in the run game, um, facing rush offenses that are like, I think Illinois is averaging almost like twice as many rush yards as Purdue. Right. Um, so it'll be. And their defense is 120 yards better per game. So yeah, you take off 120 yards from Nebraska's effort against Purdue, and that might be a little bit more of an ugly game. Um yeah, I don't – I'm not, like, completely just out. I don't think this game's going to be a blowout, like you said earlier. But it's definitely going to be a struggle for Nebraska. Um, I That defense that defense does scare me quite a bit. Yeah. it's So it's the number one scoring defense. Um, it's the number one total defense. And then they are, I believe – what were they, second in – Pass defense and third in rush defense. Um, I think that's, yeah. yeah. And so they're letting up 8.9 points per game right now. Um, was Indiana the most they let up? I think so. That Because they gave up 23 yes. to Indiana. That was the that's only crazy. game they let up more than 14. <laughs> that's Nebraska needs to take a page out of Indiana's playbook, I guess. Is that like the most like curious result of the college football that's, season? Yeah, that's got to be. I mean, looking back, if – Illinois has a good chance to be what nine ten win team here. Mm-hmm. Indiana, I mean that's that's like a that's one you put you point to the wall and hey we beat Illinois in the year that they went to the Big Ten championship. I think that's inc- that was an incredible result. We didn't really think much of it at the. I mean you did. You were kind of shocked by that result. I was a little bit like eh, I think these are both kind of mediocre teams in the yeah. Big Ten. But clearly from the way those two teams have responded from that game has been completely opposite. I don't think. Indiana might not have won a game. They might have won one game since, and Illinois obviously hasn't lost since. Yeah, I mean, Illinois is just so well-positioned to, like, take the West now. Like, they're, they're definitely in the driver's seat. Um, they don't – I mean, they control their own destiny. Uh, but, like, that, that game against Purdue is – since both of them have one loss is huge. Yeah, and that'll they, be an incredible And they game. get that at home. Okay, they do, yeah. Um, but, yeah, they've already, like, run the gamut of, like, the Big Ten West powers beating Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. Um, we haven't done our predictions yet, and I want to dive in more, but definitely will be favored against Nebraska. Um, and then, yeah, that Purdue game is pretty big. Um, yeah, there's no line. I, 
What do you think it'll be? I think it might be more than Purdue. You think you think it'll be more than? 13? I think I think the line might be more just because Illinois is ranked, and I think yeah, that's a good question. Because there's clearly people who are low on Purdue because they're not ranked yet, which I think is crazy. Um, I think they're 26. I think they got like 96 yeah. votes to be in, just missing out on was it like Tulane at 25? Yeah. I don't, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think I think Illinois might be more nationally liked than Purdue at this moment. So they are, but it's also like a home game. That is true. And, I think. and Nebraska cut that spread in half, like the amount they lost to Purdue by. So was, yeah, I'll be interested. Because I didn't expect a 14-point spread for Purdue. I thought after two wins from Nebraska, like I thought 14 might have been the spread yeah. had Nebraska lost against Rutgers maybe. Yeah, I think I was expecting like eight, eight-point yeah. spread in that. Um, that's, that's probably what I'm going to predict here. Um, and I think like Illinois, Illinois won a couple games by double digits. Now we've seen like how they how they beat Wisconsin and um, Minnesota last week, but their scoring average is relatively low. Obviously, their defense is super good, so they're more likely to play um, in a low scoring game and win true. by like a smaller margin than Purdue would be set up to. Um, so I'm gonna say the spread's gonna be like seven and a half. Okay for Illinois. Yeah, I could see that. I think Purdue's chances of blowing out Nebraska might be a little better because if you just pass the ball and shred Nebraska's defense, you're going to put up 43 points like we saw them do. Nebraska's offense was able to respond, but I don't think – I don't think Illinois, if you told me Illinois put up 43 against Nebraska, I'd be a little shocked maybe. I don't, I don't think Illinois has the offensive firepower to do that. I think if they got a, a big lead, they're just running the ball out. So um, – I guess that makes sense more. I'll go with like an 11 point spread. I think that, yeah. that'll be my prediction. I'll be interested to see when those come out. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yes, I mean, so both teams on a bye week as we touched on. So, wish it was out right now. Um, yeah, but that's interesting how it plays out there. Um, I guess it's a little bit worse for Nebraska because they don't have two weeks to prepare for a better team, and Illinois has two weeks to prepare for an inferior team. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Nebraska will, like, be glad with any, any like, extra time they have since they're right. breaking in a new coach and dealing with so much newness. I mean, yeah. like, I think the injuries, too. There's a lot of injuries. Yeah. Guys that might be able to get healthy by then that maybe they wouldn't if it was this Saturday. That's true. Um, here's an interesting question. Is there a chance that Nebraska runs the ball better against Illinois than they throw it? So I want to outline. So, like we said – Illinois obviously lets up more pass yards than rush yards, um, as the vast majority of teams do. But they're second pass defense, third in rush defense, um, and they rank scarily for Nebraska's passing game. And Casey Thompson, who might be having the same experience that all season, Illinois is tied for sixth in sacks and Yikes. tied for first in interceptions. Nationally, that is, right? Yeah. Jeez. So do you think there's a chance Nebraska like tries to run on the run tries to lean on the run game a little more and like just make this a low scoring game and limit mistakes? They can try that. I don't know how well that's gonna work. Illinois gives up less than seventy eight yards on the ground per game. Um and that you know, that's where Nebraska was at. Not exactly that, but around that area. I mean yeah. for Nebraska's leading rushers to be most of Nebraska's rushing offense against Purdue was Palmer and Thompson on that on those two big runs. 
So that does scare me a little bit because I don't know that Nebraska is ready to get in a ground and pound fight. Um, I wasn't necessarily disappointed with Grant's performance. I just think behind the offensive line and given the way that the game was, there's just no – you couldn't run the ball. Um, you needed to get those big plays. So I don't know. What do you think? I I think they'll still, like, lean on the pass. I just, like, wanted to, like – you would think, you would think like, immediately that would be the – I guess, approach, mm-hmm. but I think, like, we have to at least consider Nebraska, like, I don't know, getting back to its roots is wanting to be a ground-focused team, even if it hasn't been yeah. productive in that sense. I'll say this. If Nebraska gets down 10-0 or worse or 13-0 or 14-0 mm-hmm. like they did against the last two weeks, they're not going to compete in this game because there's no chance of getting back into a game with Illinois the way they run the ball. Um, I think the only way Nebraska is going to be able to – they're going to need to jump out to a, a lead and force Illinois to throw the ball – um, because if you give if you give Illinois a cushion, uh, Brown's just going to run all over you. I mean, he's I think he's second for yards per game and first in total yards. Um, they just feed him. Uh, he's not like yards per carry, not very high up there, but they just feed the ball to him. What was that? I was, like yeah, when you're getting 30 carries per yeah, game, like, you're gonna just... if they if he gets 30 carries, I don't know that Nebraska is going to be able to um, really step in there and do that. But yeah, it'll be. I'm excited for the game. It's it's and I think first time. When was the last time? Was Michigan the last ranked opponent that came into Memorial? Um, I can't remember. If uh, Oklahoma's ranked, actually. Oklahoma's oh, yeah. Oklahoma's ranked true. pretty highly. It's, <laughs> it's easy to forget about yeah. that because they were, uh, they're pretty, pretty. I guess so. First Big Ten, Big Ten ranked team. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Um, kind of to echo that run, run-centric um, approach. I mean, Nebraska would, I think, love nothing more than another Anthony Grant game, which they haven't seen in a few. They need one desperately. In, a, in about a month. Um, that would definitely help, even if he's not, like, the sole focus of the offense. To It would help to complement the pass game because I feel like Casey Thompson's bound to throw at least one pick against his defense. Um, that's not a diss on him necessarily. Um, and then I'm sure Illinois is going to be trying as best they can to lock up Trey Palmer yeah. with two weeks of preparation and – um, just seeing what he did to what he did in West Lafayette. Um, fortunately for Nebraska, they've got some other decent um, pass catching pass catching options. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see Nebraska's stylistic approach. They've been pretty balanced all year, but they haven't been balanced in every game. Yeah, if that definitely. Makes sense. I just I just saw this. I passed over ESPN. ESPN's giving Nebraska a thirty two percent chance to win, which I think is a lot higher than I if I remember correctly the Purdue was like like 17 or 18% yeah. chance so maybe maybe ESPN knows something that we don't That uh, feels about right yeah. though. No, I, I would agree with that. I thought the Purdue yeah. I thought the Purdue was much too high so Yeah, and it ended up being, ended up so. being um this is funny. 20 so just the the comparison here. 26 yard points per game for Illinois, 29.7 points per game for Nebraska. Nebraska's giving up 31.3. Illinois is giving up 8.9. The contrast Sweet. there is um, offense is pretty similar, but defense is not at all close. Anything else you want to touch on with this Illinois team? Uh, no, that's about it. Um, we'll, we'll touch on a little more yeah. next week. As we said, we won't go as in detail into it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Chase Brown's pretty pretty much the main name you needed to know yeah. um, from Illinois. He's there. He's their heart and soul on offense, and they've got some good guys on defense. Um, but, yeah, we'll we'll briefly touch on it next week. Um, we'll give a score prediction mm-hmm. next week. Um, but until then, yeah. 
Yeah, we'll get to kind of dive into that in the coming week. Plenty of time before that game. Um, but a big week coming up for Nebraska sports. Um, Purdue versus Nebraska going on tonight as we are recording. That is going to be an incredible game in volleyball. Um, it's interesting that volleyball and football play Purdue in the same week. Both on the road. Uh, yeah. Both on the road. And, you know, I think volleyball might Nebraska volleyball might have a little bit of a better chance to beat Purdue Definitely. than football did. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week to preview that Illinois game and talk all of Nebraska sports. Thank you so much for listening.